The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 156 of the Book of Mormon podcast. This is Shelby. And this is Kevin. And we are here with you as always to discuss Helaman chapter 8 this week. So we did want to recap quickly um, just from last week on episode 155. Um, we kind of talked about how Nephi testifies of their wickedness. And he says, I know they're true because the Lord told me that they were true. And I don't do this on myself. Um, and then immediately in the first verse of this chapter in Helaman chapter 8, those judges who were of the band of um, Gadian are angry. And they begin to look at the people and ask questions as to why they're not taking him into custody. So that's kind of where we're at here. There's the there's a climate here of people who are angry, people who may be feeling the spirit, just a lot going on, lots of emotions. So, yeah, there's there's a couple of things to point out here in this first verse. So, um, firstly, these men who were judges, and as Shelby said, belonging to that secret band of Gadianton. They were angry, right? Right. So Nephi has been uh, preaching repentance, and this is a threat. This is a threat to the industry and the, you know, new new order of, of the law in Zarahemla. Because we, we discussed last week how the laws were corrupted. And they were corrupted in order for certain people to get gain and other people to be, you know, trodden down and, and oppressed. And so, of course, it's these judges. It would be the law givers, the law makers who are the first to kind of call Nephi out for what he's saying because they're, they see him as a threat uh, to their institution. But it's interesting in the verse, as, as I liked reading deeper into this first verse, and it's the, they belong to the secret band of Gadianton. Well, only we know that at this point. It's not like, um, I mean, if it's a secret band, you would assume that the people don't know that they are members of the secret society, right? And so those are just some of the things that hit me really strongly as I was preparing this morning for this this episode. And I, I wanted to address those things. And then, like Shelby said, they asked the people, why do you not seize upon this man and bring him forth that he may be condemned according to the crime which he has done. 
he can they continue in verse 2 why seest thou this man and hearest him revile against this people and against our law very interesting and if i can add on to that in verse 4 at the end of it it says nevertheless they durst not lay their own hands their own hands upon him okay for they feared the people lest they should cry out against them so they knew I think that shows their intention. They can't, they can't do anything. So they're going to get the people stirred up to do something. And that's their tactic here. And then this is a principle I've pointed out throughout the entire Book of Mormon thus far is First Nephi 16, 2, where the wicked taketh the truth to be hard and it cutteth them to the very center. And this is exactly what's happening here again. We hear that they're angry multiple times throughout this chapter and it's just testifying to the principle that when they know they're doing something wrong they are going to get angry because they don't want to give up that way of doing things whatever that may be in this case it's the law so these judges use a bit of a tactic here right verse verses five and six they're kind of appealing to the people's pride that um, they're very great. They're great cities. It says, um, for behold, he doth command condemn all this people, even unto destruction. Yea, and also that these are great cities shall be taken from us, that we shall have no place in them. But we know, or and now we know, that this is impossible. For behold, we are powerful, and our cities great. Therefore, our enemies can have no power over us. And thus, they did stir up the people to anger against Nephi and raise contentions among them. So it's interesting, right? Not all the people are being stirred up necessarily angry with Nephi. Some of them are being stirred up to contend with one another. What I like about that is that I completely skipped over those verses and didn't really find that principle or tactic. I just thought, oh, here they are trying to appeal to the people. So thank you for sharing that. And like I said in the beginning, this is where, you know, we hear the people saying, let this man alone for he's a good man. And then you have the others saying, no, we have to take him. And so there's many things that happened after this. Um, and I like the point that they make in verse nine. These are the people who are fighting for Nephi not to be taken into custody, I guess, against the law. It says, yea, and behold, if he had not been a prophet, he could not have testified concerning those things. And so there are those among them that recognize that only a prophet, a seer, a revelator could be able to testify of the wickedness back of what happened in verse, or sorry, back what happened in chapter seven that we discussed last week. And I like that because it shows that they, they have an understanding of what a prophet is. And maybe with the people who are, you know, mad and angry about what he said, I think they lack an understanding or they're blatantly choosing to not follow the prophet. So it's like one of two things. They either don't understand fully or they're completely just choosing not to follow the prophet or heed a prophet and recognize it. 
So it's interesting because I think that's where Heavenly Father um, and his judgment in Christ as well, his son, where, where that comes in and they know the intent of people's hearts. So That's actually really interesting um, in that certain people know how to identify a prophet and know the mission of a prophet. And therefore they, they hearken unto, unto the voice of the prophet, which is the voice of the Lord to their ears. Meanwhile, like you said, some people don't understand it. I think of, you know, I would, I would say that in our day, (laughs) we have a vast majority of people who they don't, they don't necessarily understand what the purpose or the importance of having a prophet. And, you know, I, I always think of that, um, that video watchman on the tower that the church puts out <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it has this, this guy up in the tower where he can see beyond the walls that are built up and he sees the attackers coming and he warns the people around the tower well um and then it morphs into i think president hinckley at the at the you know general conference center and of course it's going to look uh different in our day but those are real dangers um and when when we're in our iniquity right when people are in their wicked you know acting acting wickedly it can it can be difficult to accept that that prophet's voice unless um, the the spirit has a way to to bear witness to them. So at this point, Nephi sees that there are those that are that he's quote unquote gained favor in the eyes of some, and so he decides I'm going to speak to the rest of them. I'm going to go ahead and speak to those people and not the people who won't listen to me. So smart little tactic there too. Well, yeah. And it's, it's just interesting that they, they did not lay their hands on him and it was because of their fear. Right. And so this gave him the opportunity to continue speaking. Mm -hmm. And so as he spake more unto them, he brings up the example of Moses Uh, crossing through the Red Sea. And this is the only thing that the Book of Mormon student manual talked about in this chapter was how he brought up Moses and the Red Seas and, you know, all these things. And I think it is brought up in reference so much because it's very common. Um, It's common to people then of that history, but it's also common to us now as well. It's a common history. And I like in verse 12, where he says, And now behold, if God gave unto this man such power, then why should ye dispute among yourselves and say that he hath given unto me no power, whereby I may know concerning the judgments that shall come upon you, except ye repent? But behold, ye do not only deny my words, but ye also deny all the words which have been spoken by our fathers." I thought that was like a very crazy statement to say at first. I read it and I was like, what are you saying? Like, the, like he's saying, because you don't believe this or believe that I'm a prophet 
and these words and this power is coming from God, you don't believe that, well, then you must not believe what Moses did, right? And to draw that parallel and to teach it so precisely, I guess, was just like eye-opening to me here in the scriptures. Very, very great way to teach it, you know? You know, as we enter into the new Come Follow Me year, there are so many examples in the New Testament where the the people who Jesus is teaching, they're very familiar with Moses, right? Moses is the guy, right? right? It's the law of the Moses, law of Moses. <laughs> that they are following and, and maybe following incorrectly, right? Maybe uh, looking beyond the mark, not seeing the Lord in the law, right? But that's neither here nor there. The reason I say that is because we forget that the people here in Zarahemla, in the Book of Mormon, they also very familiar with Moses. They are practicing a type, uh, you know, a similar law of Moses. Now, this one has been corrupted, right? Their laws have been corrupted. But kind of name dropping, if you will, is, is a good way to connect one's authority as a prophet to the previous prophet. Um, I think of it today, we don't necessarily name drop Moses, but we absolutely will name drop, you know, I, I just, I just did right with President Hinckley or will, we will um, use the name of these prophets that have gone on before and, you know, connected the, our, our testimonies with theirs. And it's because there are, you know, many, many hundreds of thousands of people whose lives were touched by those, those men's words. Well, and if I may, from the student Book of Mormon student manual, it says, Nephi's use of this story emphasizes that we should, quote, look upon the Son of God with faith and live. Through the atoning sacrifice of Christ, the poisonous venom of Satan was overcome for all who would repent. He then reminded the people that all of the prophets had testified of Christ. And then um, if I can read Elder Neil A. Maxwell's quote really quick, it says, Divinely deliberate and serious symbolism is involved. Without this needed elaboration, the Old Testament episode of the fiery serpents does not give a fullness of spiritual insight that can be or sorry, that can clearly be for a prophet in learning. And it says the symbolic emphasis in this episode is upon is upon both the necessity and the simpleness of the way of the Lord Jesus. Ironically, in Moses's time, many perished away. The promise for the future is as follows. And as many as should look upon the serpent should live, even so as many should look upon the Son of God with faith, having a contrite spirit might live even unto that life which is eternal. So I just love that diving a little bit deeper into the symbolism here of, you know, looking and living and turning to him. And that's exactly what Nephi is inviting the people to do in this moment because they are headed the wrong, well, they're already the wrong direction. They just need to turn around and come back. So I, it's interesting because I was right before you said that last part, 
I was going to ask, why is Nephi bringing this story up? Why is he doing that, right? Right. And then you you beautifully explain that. And then I thought a little, um, I thought about something. I thought, well, yeah, that's that's all these Nephites in Zarahemla need to do. They need to adjust their gaze. They need to stop being prideful, stop searching after riches, and seek after the kingdom of God. And and it um, before we move on, it also reminds me of something I always share on here, which is it's crazy how quickly you can course correct and get back on the covenant path if you've strayed from it. It's almost immediate. You can you know you can have gone pretty pretty far off the path um i would say by sin of omission it's easier to get back on the on the path rather than the sins of commission right if you've if you've done some things that you need to talk to bishop about definitely talk to bishop and those are sins of commission Mm-hmm. And sins of omission are things you should be doing, but you're not doing. Right. So if you've been, you know, if you've been not going to church, not reading your scriptures, just sort of really just inactive, but you haven't been necessarily committing major transgressions or sins, I'm going to say that all you need to do is get back going to church, touch base with your priesthood leader, and then you are, you're back, Right. Um, if you've, if you've had some other issues, then maybe a more full repentance process is needed. And I know that sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, but it's, it's just to me as a, as a person who did stray, I saw how quickly I was able to get back on the covenant path and how quickly the blessings started to pour down as soon as I did. And I realized like, man, it took me a long time to get far away from the church but it didn't take me any time at all to be redeemed Mm -hmm. by and through the atonement of christ who i looked to and i was gonna say you talked about priesthood leaders here and nephi goes Mm -hmm. on to talk about the order of god after which prophets are called he goes on to talk about you know, all the prophets have prophesied of Christ down to Abraham and Abraham saw the Lord's coming and he did rejoice and they were all called after, after the order of God, even after the order of the son. And I just find that very important that he put that there because he just talked about the power that was given to the prophets And so it's important for the people to know by which power this comes from. It's not by the power of men that they created themselves, right? Like it is from God and for the purpose of saving his children, right? And bringing them back to him so they can have eternal life with their families. And it's not anything of themselves, which I think these people are very... Uh, quick to accuse of its benefit, you know, it's it's all that and they're making it up in their mind, their frenzied mind, whatever it is, right? And so it's important to know that it is by God and through God 
that they're even able to do this and stand there and talk and have talked about Christ our Savior. So, yeah. And he goes on to say, you know, Zenus testified boldly. And also, and he starts name drop, name dropping prophets. He says, Zenic, I don't even know how to say the next one. It's in verse 20. Esaias. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I said it kind of unanimously. So unanimously. So it's got to be good. Um, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And then he clarifies Jeremiah being that same prophet who testified of the destruction of Jerusalem. That's another thing is that I still feel that although, you know, several hundred years have passed, the destruction of Jerusalem being the reason that Lehi was commanded to, to go and leave and go to the promised land, it's still kind of, you know, it's, it's fresh in the people's memory. It's almost like how we can speak of the, the early pioneers, you know, westward uh, exodus, right? Mm -hmm. It's still in the uh, immediate memory of our people here in the latter days. And we can connect with that. And, and I, I, I just kind of wanted to point that out too. I feel like that was, that was very much a tact that Nephi used there, bringing up all the prophets and then emphasizing Jeremiah and his prophecies, which actually led these people to be here in this moment uh, at this time. Mm. Yeah. I didn't even think about that coming full circle. Wow. And he says, now we know that Jerusalem was destroyed according to the words of Jeremiah. Oh, then why not the son of God come according to his prophecy? Hey, if a prophet was right once, he was, he's probably right a second time, you know, prove him. Right. Right. Just trying to make a point here. <laughs> that prophecy has been fulfilled. So why not now? And he just, he just keeps going on about why, basically, why would you dispute this? Why would you fight this? How can he not see what's happening here, mm -hmm. right? Um, goes and talks about Father Lehi leaving Jerusalem because he testified of these things. Mm -hmm. And Nephi, his son, testifying of these things. Even down until the coming of Christ and have looked forward and have rejoiced in his day, which is to come. And it says, and behold, he is God and he is with them. I just thought that was so powerful. I don't really have more insight on that besides I just felt the power in that verse. Well, what, what it helped me as I was listening to you, it helped me realize or remember what we're actually talking about, what Nephi is talking about. Right. He's talking about Christ coming. Yeah. Christ is coming. It's true. The prophets have testified it was coming. Every other prophecy is just an a, a incidental prophecy, right? This is the real one, the one that will make, you know, that, that really matters. You know, everything connects to it. And then remember, this is about 23 to 21 before Christ. So... Mm -hmm. 
Christ is going to be born still at the end of that 23 years before Christ. And then you have another additional 30 years before he begins his ministry. But the point is that he does come to this earth and the star is given, right? And we'll, Mm. we'll learn more about that and what happens, but it's just so interesting. It's basically 30, 23 years before Christ comes. In verse 24, I love this. And now seeing you know these things and cannot deny them, except you shall lie. Therefore, in this ye have sinned. For ye have rejected all these things, notwithstanding so many evidences which ye have received. Yea, even ye have received all things, both things in heaven and all things which are in the earth, as witness that they are true. And next to that verse, I, I wrote one of my favorite uh, statements, which is ensuring a righteous judgment. I talked about that last week on, on the previous episode. So I won't get too much into it now, but you know that's what the Book of Mormon accomplishes. One of the many things that it accomplishes is ensuring, uh, ensures a righteous judgment for the Lord's people here in the latter days because it connects us back to the prophecies you know it's just like nephi saying here and addressing these people in zarahemla he's saying you you know these things you know don't don't try to fool yourself into thinking that you know you're far removed from the miracles of god right they've they've been in our recent history you know not just your fathers but you some of you here have witnessed the miracles so you're if you reject them you're you're lying and he points out that you're rebelling against your holy god and i like this phrase that he says in 25 instead of laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing doth corrupt and where nothing can come which is unclean so we learn a little bit about heaven there that nothing can be corrupt in heaven and nothing unclean can be in heaven, right? He says, you're heaping up for yourselves wrath against the day of judgment. And I just thought that was so straightforward. Like, I just see Nephi spitting fire here. Like, he is just, I don't even know. It's just one of those talks that's given at a general conference with like, bam, 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 right? Like, do this, do that, fix that, you know, like all these things. And yet they're not hearing him they're just unfortunately but anyway i really love what you what you pulled out of nephi's words there because what i was trying to do a moment ago which was very poorly explain like the significance of the prophecy of christ coming well that's what it is it's you know connecting these these prophecies to our eternal well-being, our eternal welfare. And that's exactly what what I, I see here. Mm-hmm. These laying up for yourself treasures in heaven where nothing doth corrupt. Nothing can come which is unclean. And with all this being said, we know that they're ripening for destruction. And he points it out again in verse 26 as to why they're ripening for destruction not that we need to know 
but Nephi just has to tell them again because they're clearly not getting it. Um, because of your murders, your fornication, and wickedness for everlasting destruction, like Kevin was just talking about, and except ye repent, it will come unto you soon. And so we we have a cute little summary there of everything going on. I would say in this whole chapter, <laughs> that is the point. Except you repent, you're going to be doomed to this everlasting destruction, which our Father, Heavenly Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, do not want for you, which is why they're sending me, right? And he says, it is now even at your doors. Yea, go ye into the judgment seat and search. Oh, well, before we go on here, I thought this part was really cool here. And it, I feel like we kind of have to give a teaser into the next chapter. Oh, we're going to get into the next chapter. We've, we've got to follow this yeah, through. Because if not, it's just like you're on a little, what do you call it? On a ledge. Like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? A cliffhanger. A cliffhanger. Thank you. Thank you. Help me. Um, so <laughs> at this point, Nephi says, okay, go into your judgment seat, right? The, the law people, the lawgivers. And search, and behold, your judge is murdered, and he lieth in his blood, and he hath been murdered by his brother, who seeketh to sit in the judgment seat. Before we go on, I just, the reason that that's so powerful to me is here Nephi is, he's explaining for the last chapter, the last two chapters, what's going to happen if you don't repent, it's destruction. Well, here is an example of this of this mayhem yep. that's going to overtake you if you don't repent. This is basically what you you almost deserve what you've got, right? You deserve this anarchy, this yep. assassination of your chief judge, right? Um because you've you've kind of um you've corrupted your own laws. You've allowed them actually to be corrupted. And this is this is what you get now. And not only does he say what you get, but why it happened. Mm -hmm. Because he seeketh to sit in the judgment seat. Right. And so, and behold, they both belong to your secret band. So it's not that the that they were like this one guy was a good guy, and now his brother, who's a part of the secret band, no, the guy who was already in there was a part of the secret band. Yeah. And now his own brother has betrayed him because there is no loyalty among these thieves, if you will. Right. So now jumping into the next chapter, chapter nine, behold, it came to pass in verse one that when Nephi had spoken these words, certain men who were among them ran to the judgment seat. Yea, even there were five who went. And they said unto, among themselves as they went, Behold, now we will know of a surety whether this man be a prophet. And God hath commanded him to prophesy such marvelous things unto us. Behold, we do not believe that he hath. Yea, we do not believe that he is a prophet. Nevertheless, if this thing which he had said, which he has said concerning the chief judge is true, that he be dead, then we will believe that the other words which he has spoken are true. Not necessarily the, the 
you know, sons of Helaman, right here. No, you know? they're sign seekers. Right. They're looking for a sign, and they're saying, they're they're basically walking back or running back and saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, this man thinks he's a prophet," and you know, I guess if I guess if this is real, you know, if he really is dead, yeah, then we'll believe him. Right. But you know, they're all they're we're def we're dogging on these guys a little bit. There are those in the scriptures who they seek for signs and when they receive them they do believe and they don't go back on on their testimony but nevertheless we'll continue um they came uh they ran in their might they came into the judgment seat and behold their chief judge had fallen to the earth and did lie in his blood and because of that they were astonished exceedingly in so much that they fell to the earth for they had not believed the words which Nephi had spoken concerning the chief judge. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a good place yeah. to end yeah. as giving you, hopefully you don't feel like you're on a cliffhanger. So the great thing is, is if you are just, you can't wait for our next episode, you can go and read the Book of Mormon for yourself, which you should be doing already. Yes. But um, yeah, it's it's available to you. You can find out before we get there. Yep. Well, we'll be back next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.